Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. We've been doing on Wednesday nights, we've been doing a series for quite a while now on the names of God. In the Old Testament and even in the New, there are many different names given for God. Each name is, is something describing part of the attributes of God. And when you look into those names, it just gives you an image and a picture of part of who God is that helps you to better understand him. That when you see it as a whole, you can better comprehend who he is and not forget. We all have many names in our own lives too. My name is Miranda. Some of the kids don't get it right. Dee Dee still calls me Ramanda, even though he's almost 20. So if you don't say it right, you don't get it quite right, God understands. I respond to all of them. Some people get really hung up on the name thing. God knows if you're talking to him. But I'm also nanny to my niece and nephew. I'm, some people call me teacher. Some people call me pastor. Whatever that role, that attribute is to them, that's what they would call me. Some of you are called mom. Some of you are called dad. Some of you have job titles. All of those things point out a different part of you, a different attribute. Rachel used to pick on her little girl when she would have to like brush her hair or do stuff she didn't like, and she'd be like, ooh, you got a mean mommy, huh? Well, after when the little girl started talking, she said, started calling her mean mommy. <laughs> and sometimes God has to sit us down and make us take a bath and make us do things that we don't like, and sometimes we call him mean daddy, and... and but if that's the only name you know, you're missing out on all of the complexity of who he is. And so it's good to look sometimes and remember who he is because that helps us to know who we are in him. Well, this one is a little bit special because this one the Lord actually gave me in a dream. I didn't know this name. I was dreaming and in the dream I saw a door to a kitchen and we know food, spiritual food, we feed on the word. And there was a bunch of tiles on the door, and each tile had a different name of God. And on one of the tiles, this one was pointed out to me. And in the dream, it was talking about the, the infiniteness of God. This name of God is El Olam. El Olam. O-L-A-M. Literally translated, it means the everlasting God. When we see the word everlasting in scripture, the literal word in the Hebrew was more age. The Bible talks about ages. There are different ages. That's not something in our concept that we comprehend very well, but in the Hebrew they would have understand. They didn't look at existence as just this, what this is. They looked at many ages. God is a creator. He's not bound to just what we see here. He's done many things through many ages. So when it talks about the everlasting God, it's the God of the ages. It emphasizes God's unchangeableness, and it connects us with his inexhaustibleness, which is really good because I get exhausted easy. So I need a God who is unexhaustible. God is the same Yesterday, today, and forever. From age to age, he does not change. But we live 
in such a small view of reality. We think our world is all that is. You think about it when you're born, you think of your family, your parents, and to you, that's all it, that's how it always was. That's how it is. It was never different for them. But then you grow up and you get married and you realize they were two separate people with two separate lives that came together. For you, that existence was just it. But for them, there was an age before and an age of. Kind of the same thing when you join a church. When you join a church and you get saved and God's doing all these great things and you start growing and, and God starts using you, in your mind you think, even though you know better, you view it as it never existed before I was here. And obviously they need me because I'm doing all these great things and it couldn't exist without me because, you know, I'm here and now everything is great. But the reality is it was there before and it will be there after. And God has done many things there that we weren't a part of and we never saw. And when we begin to see it in that complex spectrum, it's humbling for us, but it's also freeing to know that he really doesn't need us. So that takes a load off, but he does want us. So that brings a joy and a peace and a comfort that he makes a place for us. For that child, I'm wanted in this family. They changed things for me. For that member, I'm wanted in this church. Things are different for me. We are wanted by the creator of all ages. He altered the age for us. There's something grand in that. We think we understand things, but we have such a small view. Recognizing God as Elo Olam reminds us that God is so much bigger than us and that there really is no searching his understanding. I think we exhaust ourselves sometimes trying to understand everything. It has to all make sense. But to think that we even can grasp the depths of who he is and what he's doing is a little prideful and absolutely impossible. Now, he does encourage us to seek and to search. The Bible says, with all you're getting, get understanding. God likes us to pursue understanding because in doing that, we pursue him. But at the same time, don't let your search for understanding become an idol that blinds you from the majesty of what he is. Because it's going to take some faith. You're not going to understand all of it. I think that was a reminder for Job. Job went through a very difficult situation. And there's no way for him to really grasp the reality that his story was going to transcend the ages. It's very likely that Job's story could have happened pre-flood. But if not, then it wasn't long after the flood. That's how long ago it was. And we still talk about it. And all that he went through, God helped him through it and he learned things, but he didn't understand the scope of it, why God was, do was allowing it, was using it. But he is still using it to this day. When we remember that about our own trials, it's very humbling. How wonderful that he would choose us for these things that are so much bigger than us. God was who he is before the earth was formed. We don't even know what he did or experienced before then. Think of who he is. He was God before there was an earth. We're going back into our little limited view. 
expand it for a moment. Or it's not even there. We don't know what he did. We don't know how long he did things. We don't know what came before. I don't think he sat there and twiddled his thumbs. We can't comprehend it. Kind of like when God sat Job down and was like, hold on, wait a minute. You think you understand us so much and you're going to fuss at me about how things are going. Where were you when I hung the stars in the sky? Where were you when I formed the mountains in the ocean? Were you there? I'm a little bit bigger, wiser, older than you can comprehend or imagine. But trust me, there's a purpose, even in your tribulation. He was God during the creation when our physics and worldview didn't apply. One of the reasons people have problem with creation is because they're trying to make it fit into this dispensation. It wasn't even part of this earth age. Physics don't have to apply. Who came first, the chicken or the egg? Stop trying to figure it out. He created the chicken, the chicken laid an egg. He didn't need an egg to make the chicken. He made the trees and they had fruit. What came first, the fruit or the tree? He made the tree full of fruit in a day. Here's a kicker for you. He made the sun the next day. That's how you know it was a 24-hour period because them trees wouldn't have made it millions and millions and millions of years without the sun. In the beginning, there was light. Just like when Jesus comes back in New Jerusalem, there will be light. God himself is the light, his countenance. The sun and the moon and the stars were created after, even the plants. Our rules and laws don't have to apply. I'm just showing you the complexity and the miraculous nature of our God, that he is a creator and he can do anything. Today's message is to build your faith by crushing your logic and understanding. Sometimes you have to get to a point where you just surrender to the fact that he can do so much more and is so much bigger that you stop trying to figure it out and start believing him. Just have faith. He was the God of the age that existed between creation and the flood of Noah when men and the fallen corrupted perfection. Between the time of creation until the earth was destroyed in the flood of Noah, that was a dispensation that was called an age, an earth age. Things were very different then. We can't comprehend. We think things are and always were as they are just because we're hearing it now. But according to the scripture, there was one landmass before the floods. The earth, the, the, the continent broke up and moved. Things were very different. The atmosphere was different. There are so many things written in scripture. The whole world was different. You can look through the geological record and see that. For the fact of the, the enormity and the size of the plants and the animals, you, things were different. It was a different world before the flood. Most of all, the world was like Eden. It was beautiful. It was luscious. Things are different now. But he was God then. He was over kings and kingdoms. He was working things together. The modern church kind of makes it all about us. Every prophecy is about how great we are and how we're going to change the world. And every sermon is about how God wouldn't exist and would sit in a corner and cry all day if it wasn't for you. But that's not the truth. Truth is, he doesn't need us. But he does want us. We want to serve him. We want to do our best because that's what love does. 
But sometimes the enemy can get you so stressed that you give up, get in a corner, and just take a nap because you get so overloaded trying to figure out the complexities of what God himself is doing. In the end, he created us for fellowship. More than your service, he wants you. He doesn't want you to get so busy trying to figure things out and be him that you end up running from him and neglecting him in the process. More than anything, he wants you praying and worshiping and thanking. He just wants our thankfulness. For us to recognize who he is, all that he's done, his promises, what he is doing, and be grateful for it. He was the God after the flood. When a new age began with different rules and different covenants, he was God over Abraham, over Moses. He is the God who gave us Jesus and began the dispensation of grace. That was a new age. It changed the times. That's where A.D. B.C. comes from. Man can try to hide God all that they want, but literally the age changed at the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The rules changed. Everything changes. He is the God who will, in the end, end this dispensation or age one day and start a new one with new things that we cannot comprehend. You think things will always be as they are. In fact, there's a scripture that says that many would reject God and would even mock those who believe in him, saying, you, you, think, God's, you think Jesus is coming back. Nothing has ever changed. It has always been as it is since our fathers fell asleep, since they died. From generation to generation, nothing has ever changed. Just because you didn't see it change doesn't mean it didn't happen. Things have changed many times, and they change very suddenly. And in the end, it's going to change again very soon and very suddenly. We have to understand who he is. We need a reverence of him. We need an awe of him. We need a trust in him. We need a faith in him. We need to see him in the majesty of who he is, El Alim, to really grasp that and have faith in it. He will be the God over New Jerusalem in the new age that is coming. After New Jerusalem, there's a time period. During this time period, we don't know a whole lot about it, but we know that those that love him will reside with him. The earth will be so destroyed in the wars and the things that are coming so very quickly upon us that end this age that there will be a need for restoration. There will be a whole age where the whole world is different. Just as different as the world is now from the world that existed before Noah's flood, that's how different the world will be then from the world that we know now. We have to understand that it will not continue as it is. It will be so different. You need a shepherd to lead you. You need to cling to him. But he will use those that are his in that dispensation to do things. It says that we will be kind of like the angels. The angels do the will of God and help the lost and, and bring messages. We're going to do work for God in the new world because there will still be those who weren't saved, who didn't follow. God will send us out to do things. There will be a work of restoration to do for the earth. We cannot understand the complexities of his plan. He will be who he is even when the world ends and he creates a new heaven and a new earth. 
Did you know that the Bible says eventually this earth, the whole earth, will be destroyed? It's a living thing. It won't last forever. He will actually make a new heaven and a new earth one day. He is the God from everlasting to everlasting. Think of his majesty. The Bible says from age to age without end. That won't even be the end of it. A new heaven and a new earth. He promised Abraham that his seed would continue forever. He's a creator. It has not even entered into our minds to comprehend the things that are in store because he will make age after age after age and he will still be there. That's amazing to me. He never gets tired. He never stops creating. He never stops changing things, yet he himself never changes. He never runs out of ideas, blessings, lessons, or plans. He never stops using or having purpose for us. He never wants to let you settle where you are. That small worldview will keep you satisfied in a job, in a relationship, in a rut, in a place when he's saying, no, 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 step back. There's a much bigger work to be done. There's a bigger picture. Don't get caught up in the temporary. Don't get caught up in this attack. Don't get caught up in, in what the courts say or the judges say or what people say. Step back. This is way, way bigger than you can imagine. I'm preparing you for age to age to age to age. He wants you to know that there is more, so much more. What he has to share with us is so much bigger than we can imagine. It's bigger than your problem. It's bigger than your enemy. It's bigger than your job. It's bigger than your money. It's bigger than your infirmity, bigger than your understanding, and it's bigger than the plan that you have right now. That's why we've got to be willing to lay our plans down. They're not big enough. The scripture tells us that it has not even entered into the heart or the mind, the things that God has in store. It's not possible for us to imagine it. But it does say in some verses after that that the Holy Spirit will give us glimpses of it. He'll put a little idea in your heart. He'll give you a dream. He'll give you a vision for little pieces of it so that you have faith for the promises to come, but we can't even comprehend it. So stop trying to limit God with your perspective, your understanding, your logic, your worldview, or even your age. Because the age that we are in now does not even limit his ability to fulfill his promises. His promises can be instant, his promises can be generational, or his promises can be eternal. If he spoke something to you and the devil keeps telling you it hasn't happened, it hasn't happened, how do you know it's going to even happen in this world age? If he spoke it, he's faithful to fulfill it. There are things that were spoken to Adam and Eve that haven't played out until two earth ages later. There are things that are still probably being granted in eternity that we don't understand. He is faithful. Put your faith in him. Remember how big he is. If he created all of these things and can change everything in an instant, is he limited? Can he not fulfill his promises? Can he not do what needs to be done? Can he not heal you if that's what it takes to fulfill those promises? There's nothing too hard for him. We have to see who he really is. The truth is, is that God is too big, too grand, too eternal, and too omnipotent for us to comprehend, but we keep trying to do it. 
I think probably most of the doctrinal errors that we have in the churches today come from people who try to explain God by their own limitations. They try to make it make sense by the way they think, by the way they respond, but it's not who he is. If it doesn't make sense, then you're just going to have to take it by faith. He can still do it. Give up trying to measure up to him or even to his plan and just love and worship him. There's no way we can measure up or live up to the complexities of what he wants to do. Just be thankful that he wants you and keep pressing on. Don't give up. You can't understand the complexities of what he is doing. And even if you could, he could change everything in a moment. The very laws of nature are at his disposal. The only thing that doesn't change is him. His words are a sure place to stand. And that's another reason you have to put your faith in him and in his words. Because even if you could figure out, if you were smart enough to figure everything out, he can change everything in an instant. In fact, that's going to be the downfall of a lot of people at the end of this dispensation. There's going to be a lot of governments and a lot of people who are going to try to figure out how to save themselves. They're going to try to figure out how to work this thing out. And even if they get everything right, he can change it all because he's changing the dispensation. He's changing the age. All the rules will be different. You can't even guarantee that the laws of nature will be the same because they weren't in creation to what they are now. So we know that can change. You just have to have faith and trust him because nothing else will remain. He is the same from everlasting to everlasting. So put your faith in his character, his words, his power, him, El Olim, and thank him for his faithfulness. We thank you today, Lord, for your acceptance of us. We thank you for your patience, for your steadfastness, for your infinite wisdom and vision, for the glimpses that you give us of it. We thank you for the lessons that you so patiently teach us. We thank you for your covenants and for your willingness to incorporate us into the grandness of your plan and your creation, that you make a place for us in your eternal kingdom, though we are but a speck in the scope of the eternity of the ages that you have created. We are mortal. He is eternal. Yet he made a way for us to be part of what he's doing, not only now, but in the ages to come. That's part of what Jesus did for us. It wasn't just to save us right now from our sin right now or even from hell. It was to give us a place and a purpose in the ages to come, in the things that he hasn't even begun to do yet. It's so far beyond our comprehension. All we can do is thank him and praise him and appreciate him. And that's really all that he really wants from us. Do it daily. One time doesn't cut it. Because daily, he reveals new things to us. And we ought to be daily more grateful for the place that he gives us.
In Psalms chapter 90, verse 1, we see the name El Olem, or the interpretation of it, because it would have been in the original Hebrew. It says, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. You think he won't be faithful to be your dwelling place now if things get a little hard, if things get a little difficult? He's been there before. He's been through many, many ages. And he's been faithful to be the dwelling place of the righteous in all of them. Lord, thou has been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou has formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. That word everlasting again is age. From age to age, you are God. Before the mountains were formed, before the world was even made, you always make a way to protect, provide, shelter, love, tend to. You are faithful to the righteous. He is so infinite in his experience, his existence, his power, his options, his ability, and his majesty that our temporary worries should be crushed under the weight of it. Even death is but a small speck in the spectrum of what is and what is to come. When you step back and you look at the grandness of him, even our death, it's just a moment. It's just a speck. It's not even comprehensible in the space of the ages and ages and ages to come. <coughs> I think we worry so much about every little thing, like it's the end of the world, especially when you're young. I think when you get older, you start to not care so much. But I know when you're young, every, everything is the end of the world. Oh my gosh, my hair won't stay down. It's the end of the world. It's not. When we serve the God who creates new worlds and ages and dispensations and rules and physics, and things more grand and miraculous than we can imagine more often than we can fathom. Do we really need to worry about all these little worries? How small is your sickness in the light of who he is? Build your faith in his grandness. Magnify him. The Bible says to magnify the name of the Lord. That's what we're doing. We're looking, we're magnifying, looking through a magnifying glass at who he is. When we magnify who he is and look at who he is, it really shrinks our problems. It shrinks our enemies. It shrinks our foes because it's so insignificant in the scope of his ability and majesty. Your job, your money, your enemy, your worries, is he not able to handle the smallest things? Is he not able to change your health or your situation in an instant? If he is able to change whole dispensations when he wishes, Lord, we thank you for your majesty today. Put your faith in him. Praise him for his omnipotence. Thank him for his limitlessness. Believe for the miraculous and watch him release a touch of his limitless, incomprehensible, unexplainable, inexhaustible power to you. You are his vessel of earth and clay that is being prepared to share in his unfathomable glory one day.
2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 says, For God, who commandeth the light to shine out of darkness. That's a reference to creation. That's a reference to Jesus, too, because he was the light in the darkness. But this is a reference to creation. It's, this is the God who literally just commanded light to manifest into the darkness. What limitless power and ability. He's the one that shines in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure, this treasure, this God that literally just commands the sun to exist. People put their faith in the sun because it's the most steadfast thing they know. God literally speaks it into existence. And yet this same God is inside of our, he gives us a treasure inside of our hearts, treasure in earthen vessels, that's us, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. He does it to show all that it's really him and not us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We are cast down, but we are not destroyed because he made a way for us to be with him from age to age. This dispensation, this world, everything we think we know, it's going to go anyway, but he loves us. You know, we joke with people when they come and we tell them we're not a church, we're a family. You can quit a church, you can't quit a family. We're going to chase you down. The truth of the matter is, when that's the reality, it doesn't matter if the building's not here anymore. We still will go on from day to day. We'll still do work. We'll still meet. We'll still be, to, we'll still be a family. There will be purpose. It's the same thing with God. He makes us part of his family. Even if the whole world is destroyed, we're still with him. We're not destroyed. We'll go on. We'll do the work of the kingdom. We'll press on will have purpose. The greatest mind blow that I think that we need to try to grab hold of is that all of this power that is encompassed in this eternal God that we're speaking of today, this El Olam, chooses to reside on the inside of us because of what Jesus did. Age-shifting power chooses to come and abide with you if you want him to. He has made himself available. He stands at the door and knocks. But eventually that door will shut. Just like it did for the Ark of Noah. And that age was done. 120 years God had Noah preaching, righteousness, repent, come, the Lord wants you. They didn't understand that the entire dispensation, that age, that segment of reality was about to end. And God was saying, I'm making a way for you to join me in the next one. I want you to carry on with me. But you can't do it on your own terms because you're not bringing in sin and wickedness that will pollute and destroy. You have to repent. You have to turn away from the things that have destroyed the ages before. He gave them the opportunity, but eventually that door was shut. And as far as I'm concerned... It says God himself shut the door. Noah didn't even shut it. 
As far as I'm concerned, when God shut the door to that ark, that age was done. It was over with. There was no more hope. There was no way to escape it. That day will come again. For every one of us, we're going to face it because we're going to die one day. And that can come very suddenly. But for the whole world, that day is coming again also. Jesus is the door of the ark. Jesus is the ark. He said, I'm the door. He's the ark. He's the door. He's all of it. And he's been crying out, come, come, come. This dispensation, this age, this segment of reality is going to end. And I've made a way for you to continue with me into the next one. But you got to take it before it's too late. Because eventually the door does shut. When Jesus returns, the dispensation of grace will end and something totally new will begin. Run to him. The door is open now. And fellowship with omnipotence while you can. Don't waste your moments. I'm not talking about even just right now. If you need to come to him, do it. Don't wait. You're not (coughs) promised another day. But even once you do get saved, don't waste your moments on things that will not matter or even exist in the age to come because everything in this one will burn. Isaiah 40, 28. I always loved this passage. It was very encouraging to me. But in the light of understanding this name and what it means, it kind of takes on a whole new depth today. It says, Has thou not known, has thou not heard, that the everlasting God, El Alem, the God of the ages, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he does not faint, neither is wearied. We think we get tired, we think God gets tired, we think God's tired of us, he's been doing this from age to age to age. There is no searching the depths of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increaseth strength. He has the ability. If we will seek him and ask him for it, it's available. By nature, even youth shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and shall not faint. Waiting is a fruit of trusting. When it says those that wait upon the Lord, that comes in two different ways, at least. God may tell us something and it may take a while for it to play out. We've asked him for something and we see a little glimpse of it, but it didn't happen when we thought it was. And now we have to wait for a little longer Waiting on the Lord proves that we trust him. We didn't lose faith. We keep waiting. But also waiting on the Lord means sitting and praying and spending time with him. David said, often I wait upon the Lord. People were required uh, in the last age to give a day to the Lord, to get shut in, spend time with family and with God all day. When we wait on the Lord, that's when we renew our strength because that's when we connect with him. That's when he ministers to us that we might have something to minister to others. He is the God that has all power. 
He can create anything. He can change anything. He can do anything. But he will only do it for those who wait on him, for those who get shut in and visit and spend time and acknowledge that they need him, and then those that wait in faith until he accomplishes it. Waiting all day or even years on God, who is eternal at the cost of the temporary, is wisdom, and it is faith in an everlasting God and all that he is. Isaiah 49, 23 says, The kings shall be thy nursing fathers, and queens thy nursing mothers. They shall bow down to the earth with their face toward the earth and lick up the dust of thy feet. This was a promise to a people that were broken and destitute and abused and beat down and looked down to by any, everybody. This was to the Israelites. They were called Hebrews. The word Hebrew literally means people of the dust. God likes the lowly, the humble, the ones that nobody else thinks is worth it, the meek. This people of the dust, he gives them a promise. If you trust me, if you wait on me, even if you have to wait through ages, even if you got to get shut in for seven days like Moses did before he steps in and visits, even if you have to wait years and dispensations, I'm going to give you a promise that seems absolutely impossible because though right now you are the people of the dust, I'm going to turn this thing around so much that kings will come and lick the dust off of your shoes. That's a promise. That's going to take some faith to believe and keep believing while you wait for him to accomplish it. And thou shalt know when this happens that I am the Lord, for they shall not be ashamed that wait for me. Put your faith in the God that can do it. He has the ability. Lord, we thank you today as you remind us, as we come together as a family to celebrate Thanksgiving, we thank you for who you are and for what you've given to us. We thank you for the plans that you've made and for the promises. We even thank you for the way that you have allowed them to become impossible because we know you will still fulfill them and you'll get more glory on the other side of it. There'll be a story worth telling, like poor Job, whose story we're still telling ages later. Could it be that the trial that you're going through, that that thing that you're having faith for and waiting for and maintaining your faith for could end up being a story or a testimony that teaches and builds faith in another age to come. It's not impossible for El Olam. Lord, we thank you for being willing to use us. We thank you that you made a way to save us and bring us with you into New Jerusalem, to the new heaven and the new earth after that, and from everlasting to everlasting, forevermore, working with, serving, and even ruling, the scripture says, with our Lord. We thank you for your faithfulness to us, to all that have come before us, and to all that is yet to come. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.
This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.